0: Hosting for Your Tech Life. Proudly provided by Webcentral. Everything technology from
1: computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, Want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
0: Hello and welcome back. Well, welcome back to me because I was in Singapore last week. Uh, Apologies for the perhaps less than adequate quality of the broadcast. Um, I was just standing on the balcony... (laughs) <laughs> Having a yarn. Um, it was great to be there and great to look at those um, devices from the people at Oppo. Um, and thank you to the many uh, tweets and emails I got. Infinelli, yes, Wheel of Fortune, the great John Burgess. Um, it, was, it was, you know, that's fun. It's fun to know that you're listening, right? So um, it's like when Stephen Finnick and I talk about Ziggy Zaggy. It's great to get those those tweets that mention Ziggy Zaggy. So. Always lovely if you are on social media, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, just jump on and um, say something. Give us a comment. doesn't matter. Very cool. Uh, Lots to talk about tonight, um, this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is for you. Uh, We have several calls. We're going to talk laptop buying advice. We're going to talk Wi-Fi issues. We're going to follow up with someone who had a problem a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk Sonos streaming music. Oh my goodness, so much to talk about. Plus, we're going to talk to a man who has a very cool job. A very cool job. And a company making very cool things that's all i'm going to say because you have to keep listening uh, but i think you'll like it. <clears throat> it sheds a bit of light pardon the pun on um on a really cool piece of technology and hopefully uh lets us uh, think about the vision of the future in uh, in our smart homes so Lots to talk about with him, and it's all thanks to the good people at Garmin. Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technologies. I'll tell you about them shortly, as well as their great fitness bands. And of course, you can get in touch anytime. Doesn't matter what you want to talk about. Uh, if you've got a question, a problem, or you just want to have a chin wag about anything technology, jump on the website eftm.com.au, or you can call 1800 157 157. And just to be clear, it's uh, I don't do this full time. I do this on a very small window on a Tuesday night. So I will get back to you. We'll have a chat and we'll hopefully share those thoughts and uh, and learnings with a whole range of other people who are listening right now. You are listening to Your Tech Life. Thank you very much for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. And as I say now and then, jump onto the iTunes for me and um, go to Your Tech Life. Search for Your Tech Life on iTunes and uh, leave a little comment. Tell people why you listen because it helps. It helps other people uh, find the show it helps other people learn uh about how cool uh some podcasts are that's all that's what we want so uh thank you for listening as always and uh get in touch anytime eftm.com.au
1: talking technology without the jargon your Your tech Tech Life. life with trevor long
0: so i mentioned uh quite specifically that uh i uh like to take your emails and i like to uh i like to hear from you and I'd like to call you back because that's how I get you on the show and that's how other people learn. So I don't, and I'll be very clear, I don't often respond to emails with technical advice because with the greatest of respect, there's no value in that for me. Um, the value for me is having you uh, share your problem and me help you with your problem in front of an audience here on the podcast or on the radio. And, um, you know, I obviously have sponsors here on the podcast, and I find great benefit in giving other people the learnings and advice. So it is rare for me to uh, reply via email, I will be honest, Uh, but I always reply and try and get you on the show. So, But to Theo, who sent an email this week, who uh, gets up early, um, and uh, because of his working uh, time, can't uh, afford the time with me on a Tuesday night, which I totally appreciate, has two questions. Theo, thank you very much from Alexandria in Sydney. Can you use NFC (near field communication) on Android to pay with in Australia? I've been unsuccessful in finding a way. What's well, very interesting because I just had a tweet earlier tonight from uh, Jason saying, "Hey Trevor, just wondering if you know anything about uh, touch to pay from the Commonwealth Bank on the Galaxy S5." Well, I-, I thought it was working, but he said no. The bank need to update the app been promising to do so since the S5 was released so maybe at the moment the answer is no Um, but I was pretty sure that with the Galaxy S5 maybe it's Westpac that have the uh, the fingerprint scan touch thing going on so maybe only with Westpac Theo um, but certainly with both Westpac and the Commonwealth you can get those little sticker NFC credit cards that stick on the back of your phone but I know that's not what you're looking for Uh, question number two I've noticed that the majority of people don't like to type in landscape mode on phones, myself included. Why do you think this feature isn't favoured? There's more real estate to work with and more buttons to use on most phones. Just an observation. and I've heard comments over the years. Well, look, uh, and thank you. He says, I listen to all three of your podcasts, uh, yours and Stephen's. So your tech life, two Blacks talking tech and the tech guide podcast. Thank you very much. The See, there's three days worth of listening. In fact, it strategically does work out that way. And we didn't plan it this way. But Stephen records and makes his podcast available on a Tuesday. Um, your Tech Life is available on a Wednesday, and Two Blakes Talking Tech is available on a Thursday. So it's your it's your breakfast, it's your breakfast uh, listening if you if you're so inclined on those three days. But to your question, look, I agree. Uh, landscape mode, I think it's too big, mate. Actually, I think a landscape mode phone is just so big, and also you lose so much of the screen. Because half the screen is keyboard. You've got this tiny, like, centimetre and a half of actual typing space. So I think that's why. um, I think originally the first Google phone was a slide-out keyboard. That was cool. But, again, it had a bigger screen because you weren't taking up screen with the keyboard. So I reckon that's why. Um, Theo, thank you for your email. Thank you for your questions. And if you've got a question, get in touch. Go to the website, (laughs) eftm.com.au. Now, I made a very bold statement today on the website. I said the Samsung Galaxy Note 4 is the best phone Samsung's ever made. And as I look at it here in my hand, I, I agree with myself entirely. Whew, that's lucky, isn't it? Um, here's the thing. The Samsung Galaxy S5 has a beautiful screen. But outside the screen, it falls down in so many ways. The metal around the outside is plastic. It's just silver plastic. The back is is so plasticky, fake leathery, it's not funny. The Galaxy Note 4. They've done something stunning. So it's like a hard plastic outer shell with a uh, like a diamond cut edge which exposes a chrome like bezel. It's quite beautiful what they've done. The front is just plain and basic with a kind of lines through it. There's no no dramas there. But it's this side. It's the side, the top, the bottom that, that I think is where it really wins uh, design favour. And it really looks quality. It feels quality. And then the back, while it's still plastic, doesn't pretend too much to be like leather. It's just a, a textured plastic. Um, I don't know what it is, but all those things combined make this feel magnificent and i'd like to think that this is the design cues we're going to get for the samsung galaxy s6 next year and if so they're on a winner in my view uh i think it is a, a cracking looking phone so the galaxy notice this huge fabulous a 5.7 inch screen has the little uh, little pen
2: which i've uh,
0: just dropped on the floor um the pen i you know i've been using it for a couple of days i don't i don't really use it um I'm trying to work out why to use it. Um, great for taking kind of screenshots of the screen and drawing on it, but apart from that, I'm not really seeing why. You know, the handwriting isn't that great. I mean, you know, I don't have good handwriting. I don't. I <laughs> don't. I don't want handwriting. Um, so I get this little memo pad and I go, "Hi, note to self," and I can't read my own bloody writing. I'm better off just typing a note. So uh, maybe I'm missing something there. It is—it's very, very good. The S pen—you can—you can draw very, very light lines as well as you know, thick lines by pushing down harder. So there's something excellent about the S pen, no doubt. But and if I'm an artist, like I tried to draw and I went, oh, it's not that good. Um, but so that—that's that, the kind of weird thing about it. It—it—it it, it is excellent, but it's just not for me. I don't need it. Um. So that's kind, of, that's kind of the only real issue there. But um, I have terrible handwriting. But it's cool to write on the screen. I just don't see why I need to. So leaving that aside, because if you like the Note for the pen, you're going to love the Note 4. But as a phone, it actually doesn't feel that big. It really doesn't. I mean, it's the same size as the, as the iPhone 6 Plus. I'm just looking at them side by side here. Um, I'm going to say this. This is a big deal. I think it's the Galaxy Note 4 is better than the iPhone 6. I think design-wise, it's better. So, look, it's a stunning thing, but I just don't think it's the best phone on the market. So, in terms of phablets, it's it's the go-to device. Galaxy Note 4, probably the best phablet on the market. Um, in terms of general smartphones, it's just an Android phone, which is very powerful and very uh, feature-rich. Um, but... You know, I think still I'd probably be going with... In fact, I'm going to review the Sony Xperia uh, Z3 Compact. I've got it in my hand here as well. The perfect size. I love the size of it. It's Yeah, it's it's good. So I'm going to give this one a whirl um, over the next few days and see whether that suits my my liking a bit more. It's so small compared to the Note. Anyway, Galaxy Note 4, best um, smartphone Samsung's ever made and hopefully a sign of very exciting things to come for Samsung. You're listening to Your Tech Life. We do it all thanks to Garmin, Garmin's satellite navigation GPS technology. Now, the Golf Watches are something amazing. And the Approach S6 is a first-of-its-kind GPS technology, Garmin's slimmest, lightest Golf Watch. It features swing metrics, so swing tempo, tempo training, and swing strength. It has a dedicated course view button with green view for manual pin positioning. Pinpointer blind shot assistance tells you where the pin is, even if you can 't see it it 's got a touch screen high resolution it 's glove friendly has precise distances for more than thirty thousand international courses but no subscriptions or fees so slim lightweight feature rich the swing metrics are amazing so it actually helps you and guides you through your swing uh, gives you information on how how hard and, and fast you 're swinging. It's a fantastic product if you're into golf, and the great thing is you can use it on the driving range. You don't have to be out on the course. So $499 recommended retail. Check it out at garmin.com.au.
1: Your tech life with Trevor Long.
0: Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading back on home soil episode 259. Let's go back to calls. G'day Brad. G'day
2: Trevor. How are you?
0: Good buddy. What can I do for you? We uh, we spoke uh, a week or so ago, was it not, about your iPhone issues?
2: Yeah, um, and I, uh, you got the um, Apple Genius to give me a call. How did that which go? He, which he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good. He, he gave me a call. By the time that he called, which was uh, a couple of days afterwards, I'd re- restored my phone. So you had done the um, full
0: reset, just wipe and, and start all over, yeah?
2: Yeah, and I've had no issues since. Um, but he did call me, gave, sent me the email details and all that sort of stuff. Very polite, very very good to deal with, uh, saying that if the issue happens again, just send him off an email or I've got his number with an extension, give him a call, because they, he said that they like uh, anyone that uses their product to be happy, so if there's any sort of problem, to you know get straight on it. So oh, I was very beautiful. impressed with their... And, and remind forward. me again, what, what was it? It wasn't synchronising, was it? It wasn't, it, when, when it was doing the sync, mm. it would, the, the whole program would crash, it would just uh, come down right. saying iTunes has stopped working.
0: So it was, it was the, the error was coming on the computer, but in the end, restoring your phone was the best way to fix it.
2: Uh, yeah, 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 I just kept on trying everything that I could, and it seemed that that seemed to be the issue, so all running smooth and sailing well now.
0: Well, that's good to know, mate, and uh, that's the kind of service. I, as I say, I mean, Apple. I can't help every time, but Apple, they are pretty darn keen to help, and I, I think that's one thing they, they should be given great credit for. <laughs> Whether it's in-store or on the phone, they they seem to try pretty hard.
2: Yeah, no, no I was very impressed with their customer service.
3: And how are you uh, finding the phone, also,
2: mate? I'd like to say I've, I've, I've um, heard on one of your previous podcasts about the SwiftKey app, and I actually sent, used that uh, SwiftKey keyboard to send an email back to you letting you know what it happened. It's a it's a it's a great little um little keyboard, that. Little oh, good little good little time
0: saver. It's funny because I um I installed it and then I turned it off and I went back to the standard. Maybe I need to get back into it and give it another try. Um I use it all the time on Android but I don't know, maybe I just felt the i iPhone keyboard was so familiar to me I didn't need to. But this whole thing with iOS eight being able to actually edit the keyboard is a very cool thing. Swift key and, and swipe. So you do the whole swipe thing where you you drag your finger over the keys.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's quicker. Yeah. Right. Okay. He's he's quicker, and the predictive the predictive's quite good as well when it comes up with the three words that it's guessing what your next word that you're going to type is, and you just hit that um, straight off. Uh, it's, it's actually pretty good. It's very good at predicting what you what you're going to do next. So you know the technology's just amazing at that sort of thing.
0: Very good. And Swiftkey, I think, is one of those ones that do you do you put your Facebook and your and your email account details into it if you want, and it kind of learns a bit more about how you right and and the kind of words you use i don't
2: think so i might might not have researched the functionality that
0: much in it have a look at the settings on android it does it kind of wants it's happy to you know you don't have to give it but if you give it your email and your twitter it kind of reads your uh twitter feed and your and your email so that it can know the kind of abbreviations you use and stuff like that and it helps you learn so just dig into the settings mate because it could be even better perhaps yeah, will do. Good on you, mate. Thanks for uh, giving me the update. It's good to know that you got it all sorted, and uh, glad you're happy with the phone, mate. Enjoy.
2: No worries, Trevor. Just like I say, it's a great, great podcast you got going. Listen to it all the time.
0: Good on you, mate. Really appreciate the words, mate. Get in touch anytime.
2: Will do. Thanks, Trev. Thanks, mate.
0: And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website eftm.com.au. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Get in touch if you've got a question about technology, if you've got a problem with technology, you just want to have a chat about anything technology in your life. Eftm.com.au or 1800 157 157. G'day
4: Peter. G'day hey, Trevor. How are you? Good mate. What can I do for you? Yeah, I just thought you might be able to help me out. We've got a, a Sonos, and one of the one of the main reasons of getting it was to to listen to the radio on it in the morning. You know, I thought it was better than a Bluetooth because. I have the radio app on there. If, you know, if I leave, my wife can still keep listening to it. So, okay. and she likes to listen to KOFM in in out of Newcastle with
0: uh, Tanya and well,
4: Steve at breakfast. That's the one on breakfast, yeah. So, um when we got it, it worked for a little while, and then all of a sudden, it had come on and um it had switched across to one of their Sydney stations. It had some little blurb about due to changes in royalties, can't do that anymore. Yeah. Anyway, so we we wasn't we had to pull out the old scratchy radio again, but um, then, you know, just in the last few months, they've been advertising, they've got their own app, so yeah. I thought this is probably worth a try again, so sure enough, it, it was working back on tune-in radio again on, on the Sonus. but a couple of weeks ago it stopped working again, and it's, it's different than before, it just nothing nothing comes up, and and I'll so, check check tuning radio on my phone as well, and it's got the same problem. It doesn't,
0: it doesn't seem to be able to connect to K R anymore. Right. Okay. So yeah, the rights just uh, background for everyone. Um, the uh, the people that own the rights to music in the world <laughs> um, are basically yeah. arguing that radio stations should pay royalties on every internet stream um, that they that they have. Because they addition they currently only pay based on the amount of revenue they have, and that's for traditional radio broadcasting, and they argue that the industry should also pay over and above that with their internet streams. The industry basically mate, not that many people listen on the internet, so it's not it's not worth it for them, and then all of the regional stations switched off, and that's why you got the Metro stations for a while there. So getting back to your problem, it's interesting because it means that the tune in app is 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 at fault. It's not the sonos. Uh, and it's not your phone; it's it's TuneIn because you've tried TuneIn on both. Now, the only other thing: have you tried listening just via their website on a computer?
4: Oh, on my! Ph- I have tried their new app. Yeah. And um, on my phone, and, and it works. Yeah. So. So the KOFM app,
0: no problem at all. Yeah. TuneIn Radio, no good. Okay. Well, I reckon all I need to do, and uh, fortunately because I do uh, a spot with Tanya and Steve, and I really need you to get this working again, mate, because I'm on with Tanya and Steve now every every Tuesday at ten past seven. Oh, it? So, mate, okay. we, we need to get you listening. Um, yeah. I, um, because I have a contact there, I can ask them. It's probably really simple. As a radio station, all you need to do is you log into TuneIn Radio and you give them a link, and it's probably... You know how a website changes the page address sometimes it's exactly the same. Yep. The stream address has probably changed. they haven't updated car, the tune in radio app um, but there could be something more deep to it. Maybe they only want people listening through the app or you know there could be some reason like that um, yeah, and it yeah. may be related to the rights. but let me ask the question of k o f m and find out for you okay
4: yeah that'd be great.
0: No worries mate you uh don't well, don't hang on the line now, because I'm not going to find it right now. But um, stay, stay, stay around, and I will try and get an answer within the week for you, my friend. Okay?
4: Yep, that'll be great. Good on you, Pete. Thanks Appreciate for getting in
0: touch, mate. Hope you're enjoying the Sonus. Otherwise, though.
4: Yeah, no, nah, it's a great product. what and did you get? I think the, I saw you. Did you get the
0: Play yeah. Five or did you get the ones? What did you get? The,
4: the three. It's the three. That's the little, uh, the, the little the
0: rectangular thing. ones, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. Cool. And um, yeah, I think I saw you do a a review on one of the, you know, a network storage device, and, and the, the Sonos actually hooks up to that really easily, and, yeah. you know, you just have all your, your library on there, and you can just, you I've know, just started play. getting
0: back into my Sonos. I've got a couple of Play 5s, and they've just lent me some Play 1s, to the, the, the little yep. tiny ones. Um, so I've yep. actually got, listen, in my little man cave here, I've got four Sonos speakers. But what I need is for everyone in the house to go away, because if I turn them on, <laughs> it wakes everyone up. So yeah. we'll have to put some effort into that. But um, leave it with me, mate. I'll get back to KOFM and I'll let you know how we go. Okay, Pete? Okay. Cheers. Good on you, mate. And uh, you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au.
1: Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
0: Now, you know I love my gadgets. That cannot be argued at this point in time. Uh, and it's fun to fun to see the things that come along. It's fun to see the evolution of gadgets, let alone technology, over time. You know, CES is a great place for that because you kind of see it all in one place. But then often you, you you don't see it in your own home or whether it's a wearable, you don't see people wearing it. But there's some stuff that's really starting to get exciting and, and some of that is is in the home. And I've talked a lot about that over the last couple of years. And uh, a product you saw me write about recently on, on the website was the Philips Hue. And uh, and alongside the, the the Philips Hue light bulbs, the, the Friends of Hue, which are some other products that help you add a little bit of light, a little bit of color. To the home and um a man who is head of technology for connected lighting at Philips lighting uh, is on the line from the netherlands i believe george Yani. g'day george how are you doing
1: i'm fine good All to right. be here
0: thank you for your time i mean take me back a little bit to to wherever you can in terms of where does the idea for a light bulb that not only can be controlled by smart devices but can change colors can change brightness where does that idea come from, the, 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 the original idea?
1: Well, light bulbs have been a major part of our lives for the last 100 years. I mean, everybody has light bulbs in every room of the house and use them every day. But it's one of those you know, devices you have inside your home which you don't really notice. Mm. And actually, what we really wanted to do with, with you is make people appreciate what lights can do in their homes more. We do a lot of things with Lighting in Philips where we you know, light schools, we light buildings, we know how it can make rooms look more beautiful, we know how it can help people perform, we know how it can make your home safe.
4: Mm.
1: And actually we wanted to offer all of those things in a really easy to understand and appreciate way by connecting to your smartphones and give you a great user interface for experiencing it.
0: So the the, the, the core of it is just to say we have this device we're carrying around with us, um, we have this connected network. Why not bring probably one of the original pieces of technology in every home onto that network? W- how quickly did it become not just control but colour?
1: So what we really wanted to do is is change how people think about lighting. You know, so we wanted to actually make consciously a step jump. I mean, we've been used to having a light bulb which is on and off from a wall mm. you know, for 100 years. And, and by making it colour, it really opens up totally new use cases which you can never do before. You can really decorate your home with light. You don't have to paint your walls anymore. You can use a light bulb for that. We can really synchronize it to entertainment so you can bring the experience, the movie you're watching into the room. And these are things you just can't do with white light only. So moving towards color was a natural thing for us because it really makes lighting more than what people are used to. It makes them think about it differently.
0: And I guess from a product perspective, just creating uh, a different place for the switch and a different place for the dimmer doesn't make it in and its, in it of itself uh, a revolutionary new product, even though the technology is amazing. So you do need to create that, that huge uh, emo- emotional change, really, in, in someone's vision around what a lighting system can be and how lighting affects the home.
1: I think that's exactly right. It's about making an emotional change. You think of the emotional engagement you have with a light bulb, It's it's pretty low. And actually by making it something much richer, uh, by making it something you really care about, we can really change people think about a light bulb. That's not to say that there aren't great things you can do by making white light bulbs connected. I think there's a lot of convenience that you can be gained by doing that. If you think how hard it is to... Um, have one switch in your home that controls not only the lights in the ceiling but also the lights around the room. Mm. I mean that's something you would need to rewire your house to do before these connected light bulbs came along. So it's mm. great use cases just for the white stuff but to get the emotional engagement you really need to go for these use cases where being able to tune the color of the lights is important.
0: How um, and I'll talk about my home uh, because we we suffer from that problem where we only replace bulbs when they blow and we go and buy one. You know, it's not really something that we make a strategic effort to you know buy the same one. And when you're in a store, if you've got a bit of cash in the kick, you might buy a a nice fancy one of those kind of fluoro style things, or you might buy an old traditional bulb or whatever it might be, and you end up with a whole stack of different colours. And I notice that we've got a really dull lounge room because I don't know what wattage and all that it is. And I've got a really bright playroom for the kids. And that's actually one of the problems with the traditional white light is that that white is not white and brightness is not, not set as a default. And people don't really have a consistency among their homes, do they?
1: Now, it It's pretty hard for people, I mean, like you say, the experience you have is pretty much what everyone has. You never think about your light bulbs until one of them blows, and then it's a frustrating experience because you can't find something that's the the same color or the same brightness it's It's a really tough experience, and one of the reasons to actually make controllable light bulbs is you can kind of take that thought process out of it. You know every light bulb can do every range of brightnesses and colours um so in that way, you can make that process a bit easier. But, I mean, I think the way you've described it sums up entirely. Huh? The process you have where you think about light bulbs is not a positive one today. And that's really what we're trying to change.
0: So let me give you one negative. Bayonet. Help me out here, George.
1: So we understand that uh, in Australia you guys uh, use bayonets. It's It's something which is phasing out in all parts of the world. Everything's moving towards fittings yeah. but places like Australia still have a lot of bayonet fittings and we're doing our best to help you out in the near future. So you won't have to wait too long and we'll have those. Because in the I've, meantime, for a dollar you can buy an adapter.
0: I look for an adapter. I must look harder, but I've got it's my it's my great passion and, and keenness to have the hues downstairs. You know, think about it, we actually don't have many rooms in our homes. I when I originally thought about light globes and I thought about the the connected home, I was worried it was going to be this big expensive thing. But in the end you've actually only got probably six or seven rooms. And so there isn't a huge expense in, in replacing those bulbs. Um, and so that's why I want to look for that consistency. So let's let's move away from the bulb now and into what is probably really the, the catalyst for, for a real excitement around this product, which is the Friends of Hue. Now, the light strips... Um, just for, for people listening, is is a couple of metres of very small LEDs that, that can be changed to any colour. And, you know, they've got double-sided tape on them. You can stick them anywhere. Now, I'm, I, I don't know what you had in mind, and I'm not, not sure you really did because it's just one of those things you leave it to the community, but I've seen great photos of it on top of uh, kitchen cabinets, the, the high cabinets. I've, we've hung ours behind kids' beds. Um, I hung it behind a set of drawers, and it's just adds something to a piece of furniture, let alone an entryway or a different part of the house. The idea of adding light to something that never before had light.
1: Yeah. So one of the great things about the, the modern LED lighting technology is that it, you know, it doesn't get hot and you've got complete flexibility in the form factor. So the light strip is a great example of that. It's something which you can really stick anywhere to light an object. Um, And people are doing some really cool things. I mean, my favorite story is when we first launched this. A few people got in contact with me to show me what they'd done with it. And what they'd done is they'd replaced the curtains in their living room with white curtains. Not because they wanted white curtains, but because Mm -hmm. they wanted to be able to choose the color of their curtains via the light strips. And so like that, they've made this recessed cove lighting so that they can actually just choose, you know, several times in an evening a different color for their curtains via these light strips. But People have done crazy things, building them inside clocks, inside, uh, like you say, furniture into sofas. And it just really creates these nice colour accents that make a room feel you know, more cosy or special.
0: And it's interesting because, um, you know, I have three small children, eight, four and three. And we always have these little tiny kind of weird, bulby light things in the room because, you know, a kid wants a night light. And we've removed all of those now because in in, in the boys who share a room, They've got light strips around their bed. And then in my daughter's room, she's got a, a bloom, which is a small uh, round kind of uh, globe that really points at a wall is the best way to describe it. Um, I've sat that yeah. on the floor underneath her bed. So they've each got a, a, just, a just a subtle color in their room, which, which allows them to see on the floor and allows me to see that I'm not walking on Lego but it also gives them a real personal um, touch because they got to choose the colour they wanted. That's a really cool thing about lighting that, I, you know, five years ago, you could never have imagined that, surely.
1: No. I mean, we've been blown away at how much people are using it to really personalise their spaces. You know? It's something very personal. People decorate their homes you know, and they buy you know, display cushions and they buy certain curtains. Actually, you can do that kind of personal touches to make a room your own with lighting as well. It's just you can do it much more flexibly multiple times a day. If you have a shared space, you walk into it, you can make it your own with the press of a button by changing the light. Mm. And, you know, we have tens of thousands of lighting scenes that people have made and they've published for other people to use because they're proud of what they've created with lighting. And it's really cool.
0: So where do we go from here? We, We... Let's work on the theory we have changed the philosophy around how we see a light bulb. Um, you know, I'm talking two to five years in the future. Lights are now a part of our, our lives in a very different way. The connected home becomes something very exciting with, with things like if, the, the if this, then that, with, with things like connection to your social, let alone perhaps even your, your media consumption. Um, what, what is the future of this in, in very simple terms from your point of view?
1: So I think we're still fairly early days in terms of transforming how people think about lighting. Um, and actually I think the way it's going to go in the next few years, so let, let, let's do the next one or two years first and then we'll look a bit further out, mm. um, is we're really going to see lighting playing a bigger role in more things you do every day. Right. And that's going to become mainstream. So today you know, we're really focusing on lighting to help you decorate your home, you know, lighting to help um, keep your home safe to be a security system. But I think we'll see it moving into supporting much more things going on inside your home. And this is because it's going to link to more devices in this connected home internet of things. Um, But also it's just going to be that people are going to be more comfortable trying new things. Um, One of the most exciting things we're really just starting to do now um, is we're starting to work with movie studios um, to actually make lighting soundtracks for movies. Uh, So when there's lightning crackling in the movie, the lights are flashing in the room. You know, when you walk into that dark cave, the lights dim down to make you feel like you're going into it. And it makes it a really immersive experience. Um, so what I, what I would love to see happening is, you know, the next time you go buy a new TV, it's a choice whether you first buy your surround lighting system or your surround sound system for it.
4: Um, <laughs> and
1: I really think that that's something that is not impossible to happen because if you really experience one of these rooms where you have a scripted light track for a movie, it's an incredibly immersive experience. Um and this is just something where, actually, when you're watching TV, there is light in the room. The yes. lighting is there. It's just not doing a very good job of supporting what you're doing.
0: Yes, it actually um, it I can I, it can either
1: can do a fantastic-
0: accidentally support a, a film or a TV show, or it just uh, ruins it in in some small creative way. I mean, the idea of a surround lighting system um, could really. Given that how big these TVs are these days, given the the change and the evolution of uh, media consumption to online, you know, movies and things, it really can change the way we look at the the home theater, let alone the home lounge room experience of media.
1: Yep, indeed.
0: It's very exciting stuff. Where, where do you where... where do you spend where do we see the big announcements from Philips in this space? I mean, do you? Um, I mean, we saw Apple talk about uh, the the Hue system as part of Health Kit. That's that's got to be a pretty exciting thing to see it hit that kind of stage.
1: Um, so, I mean, the Apple HomeKit announcement is definitely exciting. I think Apple is one of the first players who's making a serious um, attempt to really make it easier for all of these devices to work together mm. and put the ability to control them in the hands of developers. So I'm sure we're going to see some fantastic applications come out of that once it launches. Um, so that's something we're really excited about. In terms of where we announce stuff, I mean, we tend to do it around the big fairs, so um, CES, you'll uh, right. you'll be hearing some announcements. Um, and then generally, around the, the June-July timeframe in the lead-up towards uh, Christmas, we start announcing some new stuff, but it's really for us about driving use cases. You'll see a lot more stuff coming around partnerships where we you know do this thing where we're enhancing another experience with lighting, yes, just to find new ways for people to actually use these lighting products inside their home. an and extra I, reason to buy. Them.
0: I see you uh, certainly on your your Twitter profile, for example, you talk about being an open product evangelist um is that a is that a safe thing to assume then that you you feel that the 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 Hue system should be open and when we mean open we don't mean insecure we just mean that other systems whether they're competitive products or not can can interact with your with your Hue lighting system to for the best experience for the user because a closed system is one that that doesn't give someone the best experience when they have just one other product that doesn't work i guess
1: no, that's really something we, we believe in, Hugh, is that if we want these connected products to be successful, we have to be really open about them. Some of the best things we've actually seen for Hugh have been when people have built applications to use them in new ways.
3: Mm.
1: And you know, we have 200 applications to date that have been developed for Hugh, and none of that would have been possible if we hadn't opened everything up from an early stage and really embraced people doing stuff on top of our products. Um, we had some great posts sent to our um, Hugh Twitter Um, on the last days from some of the Halloween apps that have been made for (laughs) you, of people who've built light bulbs into pumpkins and there's an app that's made called Hue Halloween where you can trigger sound effects with light flashes that go with them and terrified kids of howling wolves as the lights in the room are twinkling in the light. It's uh, really cool stuff and this is stuff that we would have never developed ourselves. It's all things that come because people had a great idea and there were products available to use them so all we had to do was make a simple app um, and this is great. I really hope other companies who make connected products follow our lead and really make their products open as well because then you'll see more products linking together for even greater experiences.
0: It's also, um, I agree 100% with that because it is potentially from an average Joe consumer experience. Um, if they experience one bad ex- bad thing, you know, whether it's a difficulty connecting one to another or whatever it might be, it does ruin for a very long time the overall experience of, of the connected anything, the connected home most particularly. And so, an open world is is one where um, where we have a much better better um, experience for the user. And that's where something like health, uh, HomeKit, and and other applications like that working together, um, if for me is fantastic. But it's still a little bit nerdy, brainy. Um, but it's a very exciting space. And you must be um, you must enjoy going to work every single day when you work on something as cool as Hugh.
1: Definitely. There's lots more to do and it's really exciting to see what people are doing every day.
0: Good on you, mate. I look forward to seeing more about what you're announcing and what you're doing and uh, I look forward to playing around with the recipes and, and, and the ideas a little bit myself and also hopefully, mate, we get to catch up at CES in uh, in January. Thanks for the chat, mate.
2: Thanks. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. This is Your Tech Life. Get in touch any time. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Troy. Hi. How are you going? Oh pretty well mate. What can I do for you?
2: Mate, uh I'm in the market for a laptop computer. Uh I'm probably looking to spend about six fifty to about nine hundred. Yeah. Just just wondering uh what you recommend as is a good brand.
0: Well, brands are a tough one because, you know you know what, laptops are a much a muchness these days. If you buy smart um, yep. it's very hard to go wrong, especially if you're buying big yep. retail. Because remember, in retail, you've got the Australian consumer law backing you. You've got a lot of things on yep. your side. So most of the brands that I see in the big retailers should be familiar to you. Um yep. Lenovo, HP, Acer, Dell. And, mate, they're all great. The question is, yep. what what do you need it for? Um, you've told me what you want to spend, but what what do you think you want to use it for? Oh, just,
2: just basic day-to-day stuff. Uh, just... Bit of internet uh, storage of photos and videos, um, yeah, nothing too fancy, just normal day-to-day stuff, really.
0: How big do you want it, Dino? Do you want it um, reasonably portable, or does that not majorly matter?
2: Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, anything between I don't know, twelve-inch screen or sixteen, something like that. Yeah, okay,
0: that's good. That's that's very good guidance. Now. So what I'd say to you is that you you know, you know, maybe know the basics, and this is the the processor, the hard drive, and the RAM. Now, processor, I would all... Even though Intel Core i3 is a great processor, I, yep. I advise you always try and get an i5 because it's just going to give you that little bit of extra grunt. Um, okay. I really want you to have at least 4 gigabytes of RAM, and these days, yep. a, a terabyte hard drive is, is absolutely the norm. Um, okay. But 500 gig... At a minimum. Now, at a glance, and, and I'm only browsing the JB Hi-Fi catalogue here because it's easy to yep. read, it's easy to sort, and different stuff like that. I can see an Acer 13-inch. It's 900 bucks. It's got the Core yep. i5. It's got 4 gig of RAM. It's got a 500 gig hard drive. That's a 13-inch. Okay. It's a nice kind of, dare I say, cute little thing. Then yep. I can see a Lenovo for 900, a i5 processor, 4 gig of RAM, one terabyte hard drive. And you actually got it's got an Nvidia discrete graphics, so you know not too bad. The the difference okay. between these devices and something much more expensive is actually more in the detail of the screen. And what yep. that means is the resolution. You, you're normally okay. going to get about 1300 by 800 resolution, like 1366 yep. by 768, which is fine unless you yep. want to do something really advanced. The other one okay. I can see here is a Dell Inspiron, six ninety eight dollars, four gig of RAM, one terabyte hard drive, Intel Core i five. I don't reckon you can go wrong. Is there a JB Hi-Fi near? Yeah, definitely. I've got Mate, <laughs> look at those three: Dell, Lenovo, and Acer. Although I, I'd okay. suggest uh, the fifteen inches are probably the better way to go. The Dell or the Lenovo. I reckon you can get a cracking good computer for that kind of money. Um, You know, a laptop used to be $1,500 and it used to have to, you know, it was a big expense these days. You know, you're getting a reasonably powerful machine there that is going to do a lot. I reckon you're going to end up buying on look and feel more than anything else because you'll find one that kind of has a bit of style to it, you know. You're not going to get,
2: you're probably not going to get an
0: ultra book for that price. But, you know, a few extra centimeters in, in thickness isn't the end of the world if it's not ultra portable for you.
2: Okay, All right. That sounds good. Sounds yeah, like a plan, mate. Problem. Good luck.
0: Uh, let me know how yeah, you go okay. and enjoy your new laptop if you buy one, mate.
2: Okay, thanks very
0: much. Good on you. And uh, you can get in touch as well. Just uh, call one eight hundred one five seven one five seven or go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thank you listening. Thank you for downloading. Wherever you are, whatever way you're listening, doesn't matter at all. But uh, trying to help you out with your technology questions and problems, and uh, on the line, G'day Greg. Hi, Trevor. How are you going? Good, mate. What can I do for you?
3: Um, just a, a quick question about the um, about Wi-Fi in in the home. Yeah. Um, I've got a, an Ionet router. The one that came and... with Ionet. Yeah, happy yep. with Ionet. Yeah.
0: yeah, and and so that's the one they sent you when you kind of connected to them, yeah.
3: Yeah it's a, it's a Balkan router. Yep. Um um and I'm not getting I'm in a, in a brick house and it's there's two levels the router is upstairs and I'm not getting a good range with the router. Oh. It's um it's struggling.
0: And you are only noticing this now or was it always bad or is it just because it's, you've got so many no, devices it's always, now?
3: It's always, yeah, it's always been bad.
0: Mm. mm. Well, look, yeah, a five-year-old so, router is probably not running anywhere near the latest uh, generation Wi-Fi standards. Now, there's a whole stack yeah, of standards. Uh, and and tre- I, Trevor,
3: just yeah. before you, you, you go on, yeah. the plot's thickened. Since I I put I sent you the email, mm-hmm. the um I've I've gone ahead and got a new router. Nice. From from um, Ionet, mm-hmm. which is a Buddy Light, Mm-hmm. And I've still got the same problem.
0: Okay. Still so,
3: doing the same stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, did you have to pay for that?
3: No, 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 no. That was fantastic. Okay. So they they just sent out a new router. I didn't know. Last time I rang them, they wanted to, um, a fee for it. Yeah. Um, but um, they didn't want a fee when I asked again. So yeah, no, it's worked out well.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. So what I don't know off the top of my head, but I'll I'll try and research it quickly here while we're online is um is what uh, wireless technology is built into that buddy light. Now <coughs> excuse me, there's several types of of um of Wi-Fi, eight oh two eleven, uh B G N. Now I'm reading it and it looks like it's N compatible, which is excellent. That means yep. that it's um, probably as fast as you can, or, or as good a speed and as good a range as you're going to get, apart from these really latest and greatest ones, and they're only worthwhile getting if you, if you are starting to upgrade your devices as well. So if it's, if it's not getting you any better range because of the upgrade, so you're getting a, a wireless N, is there anything you can do about the location of the device in terms of kind of making no, it more central? No,
3: unfortunately, it's the way the house is wired. Okay. And
0: is, that's the only place for the phone uh, line.
3: Yeah, the only phone line is upstairs, and it's and it's not getting any. I hear what you're saying. It's not getting. The Are there
0: any rooms out. where it is good? So upstairs or downstairs?
3: Yeah, upstairs is anywhere upstairs is fine. Okay. And and the the bottom directly below where the router is mm. um, is fine. Like the downstairs lounge Perfect. room, which is directly below, mm. is is a re- it gives two bars down there yeah,
0: two bars still not great so no. <clears throat> your next your next um port of call is what's called a, a wi-fi range extender now yep. these are excellent uh, because they basically create another little network and they and they boost your wi-fi in a different area but to be yeah. very clear they only amplify the network that they get so if you were to put a wi-fi range extender downstairs where you're getting two bars it's only yeah. even though the, the devices that connect to the range extender might be showing 5 bars in reality they're showing 5 bars of 2 do you know what i mean so it's yeah, only it's only yeah, amplifying okay. that two bars further so what you kind of need to find is a middle ground a room um around the house that's closer to downstairs that might be getting four bars of coverage um mm-hmm. maybe three i mean it's 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 definitely worth a try at two bars have you done any speed tests sitting in the lounge room? Do you know if it's reasonable quality down there anyway?
3: Uh, I have done. I the only speed test I've done is upstairs. Right. So I'm,
0: Be I'm worthwhile kidding. doing one downstairs and, yeah. uh, and seeing what speed you get. And, and basically, well, here's what you need. You only need a PowerPoint. That's the beautiful thing. You don't need a phone line or anything like that. So if you were to get a Wi-Fi range extender, you only yeah. need a PowerPoint to plug that in. And so really all you need to do is sit near a few powerpoints, do some speed tests and some, you know, Wi-Fi range tests and then find the best place in the house that's not too close to the old modem because that's a bit of a waste of time, but a little bit away from the old modem, closer to other rooms that aren't getting Wi-Fi and basically you're putting it in between. What you want is you want to say, here's room A where the modem is, here's room Z where the the crappy Wi-Fi is and you want to find a place around M or N (laughs) where where there's reasonable Wi-Fi, and that's where you put the range extender.
3: Yeah. Now, Trevor, I've, I've gone ahead and got an extender, believe it or not. Oh, right, like, okay. Um, I've tried this. Yeah. And, um, no good. And, and, I've, and I thought it might work better with this new router that I've got, the new Buddy Light. Hmm. And it's got a WPS button on it. Yes,
0: WPS um, is, is a quick way of connecting.
3: Yeah. Now, what happens when I connect with this is that it connects... Um, I've got it, as you say, midway in between the, the good zone and the bad zone mm. downstairs. Like That's that just happened to be where the PowerPoint is that I can plug this thing into, yeah. the extender into. Yeah. When I hit the WPS button and mm. I, I sync it up with, yep. the, with the router, it, 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 it connects for a, about five minutes mm. and then drops out. It completely drops. I'm watching the flashing lights on the unit mm. and it completely drops off the radar.
0: Do you, and, when you uh, say connects, I mean, do you know that it's actually making a connection or is it just yeah, yeah,
3: because WPS, the right. When, when okay, the, perfect. Yeah, when the light goes constant, it's made its connection. It's um, like it flashes until it actually yes. connects.
0: So what you um, do is don't do the WPS connection in the remote, remote room. Do the WPS okay. connection right next to your buddy light. Okay. Yeah, I've
3: tried that. And Because really, all yeah, you should no, be I've, then
0: doing is moving the, the range extender.
3: Yeah, no, I've tried that. I've tried um, doing it right next to the router and then unplugging it in yep. the power point and then taking it downstairs,
0: yeah. and it
3: loses the connection straight away.
0: What, what range extender did you get?
3: It's a... <laughs> it's a um, um, uh, a, a Logi- uh, it's a, it's the one that iinet sell. Uh, right, okay. I, I think it's a Logitech. I don't know, I've got the book right in front of me.
0: Um how big is it? Is it one of those little PowerPoint ones or is it a yeah, um, it's one of those
3: little white PowerPoint ones that just see, um plugs oh, directly in.
0: Oh, while they're awesome and Belkin have them they're very cool that's the simple little thing. They yeah. don't have big antennas on them mate. They're not you know they're not they're not actually offering a great big extra network. So my concern is that what you probably need is a. You, you have a, a massive network problem. You need a. You need a, a very robust solution, and I think you need to find yourself probably a much more robust range extender. Um, you know whether it's uh, Netgear or Belkin. Uh, obviously, I have a relationship with Netgear through the sponsorship of Two Bikes Talking Tech, but so therefore yeah. I know their products. But they have the little PowerPoint ones, but they also have ones that pretty much look like. Um, your your average everyday router—they're as big and tall. You know, they're not ugly, but they—they they, you know—they need to sit on a side table or something like that. And because yeah, they've got right. antennas built in them, you can point the antennas. There's a bit of stuff you can do to make it a little bit better for you. So my advice is to look for one of those. Okay. Now I don't know whether you can get a refund. I'd be calling Iron and get my money back on the range extender.
3: Yeah, well, it's sort of just a bit flaky. It, it works some of the time, and then it just, well, for some reason, it's like it's like the the main router is not sending hmm. out a signal, and it's not syncing that, with the actual extender, or something, something weird. And
0: that to me is a reason to take it back. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't accept second best, mate. Um, yeah. It's not a it's not a useful product to you. Send it back. Get yourself another one. And uh, and if you have the same problem, look. Here's my thing. I can help you if you get a Netgear product because I can put you directly in touch with Netgear technical support. Yeah, um, right. If you go down that path, and, and you can keep persisting with that one, find different PowerPoints, whatever it might be, but if you get yeah. yourself a solid, um, you know, stand-up, tall Wi-Fi range extender and it doesn't work, I'm happy to get Netgear to help you directly because, you know, they'll, they'll be willing to help you as much as they can. Um, it, outside yeah. of moving around that other device and calling Ionet more because they're the people you bought it off, can't offer you much more assistance, mate. But I think you yeah. you do need a more robust solution than just the PowerPoint version.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's just not cutting cutting through the um, like there's brick walls down there, like a couple of brick walls yeah. in between where it needs to go. You know, yeah, like and they're they're, they're the big kicker,
0: it, you know, they're they're the they're the worry, the brick walls.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I hear what you're saying, and I and I appreciate uh like that's that's why I was thinking about the Nighthawk. You know, do I really need a different router that's just going to zap the whole area, you know. Well, the
0: thing about the Nighthawk is that it offers you a few other things other than the Buddy Light, which is beamforming, so it actually pushes the Wi-Fi to a specific area. It will give advantages over that, but if you do have those constructive issues, i.e. brick walls, it's still not going to cut through perfectly. So you're probably better off having a really basic one there and then having something like a solid Netgear or or even a Nighthawk sitting in the middle of the house. Yeah,
3: right. All right. Yeah, hear what you're saying.
0: Good luck with it, mate. That's the best I can do. But uh, let me know how you go, and let me know what you do, and happy to help further if I can.
3: Fantastic, Trevor. Good Lucky on you, mate. Shows. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you very much, and thanks for getting in touch. See you, mate. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. It might
4: sound crazy
3: what I'm about to say, but Trevor.
0: to talk about there hope you enjoyed the show um get in touch anytime on twitter at trevor long on um facebook uh at eftm online uh, where else can you get me oh on the website eftm.com.au and uh, call 1-800-157-157 always great to hear from you always great to talk to you um send me an email via the website eftm.com.au uh any questions any problems anything uh Just reach out, say good day. That's what I'm here for. Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, and thanks for your uh, constant feedback and support. It's great. And thanks to Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technologies, garmin.com.au.